Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director, and I'll be your host for this episode. Coming up, web editor Alex chats to Ed assistant Ellie about indoor street food markets across the world and the joy of discovering the food scene in lesser known places. But first, Christmas is coming up fast, so I caught up with our cookery writer Adam to talk turkey. What to buy, how to cook it, and some top tips to get the juiciest meat ever. Hi, so I'm here with Adam, our cookie writer. Hello. Hi, Adam. Hello. And it's it's not quite Christmas. It's actually December the 1st. It is. Um, Merry so Christmas. Yeah. In my, in my <laughs> Merry Christmas, Christmas, everyone out there. We're racing towards Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've already done it. We've shot, we've shot the whole Christmas issue. The Christmas issue's out. And now we're going to have to do it for real. So I thought we'd get ahead a bit. Um, and talk about turkeys because obviously people are thinking about what to buy now mm-hmm. um, what to go for thinking about ordering their turkeys so we thought this week we'll, we'll just get ahead a bit and talk about that so um, you wrote a really nice feature in the Christmas issue which is a, a lowdown all about turkey um, so to start with like people it, I mean not all turkeys are equal are they you get no. different varieties yes so what what would um, my my family, my Geordie family, yeah. are not not a big fan of of dark meat. What would you suggest that they go for? Uh, well, just a pretty <clears throat> typical like white breed, also known as the broad-breasted uh, turkey. Nice. Um, obviously, because it has uh, much more white meat. The breast meat is white meat yeah. uh, and smaller legs. Um, so that's like basically playing into your favour of like much more white meat to uh, to dark and meat. Would you say that's kind of generally the turkey that's available? I think it, it, it still, for the most part, yeah, I would say like most supermarkets, turkeys would probably be that kind of uh, breed, just simply because I think that's what, majoritively, that's what yeah. most people prefer um, as as opposed to other breeds. And if you wanted something with a bit more gamey flavour, what mm. are we looking at? I think there's, there's quite a few. Um... Yeah, I mean, the bronze or the Norfolk black is yeah. like probably two of the, the ones that you'll see uh, most around. A lot of the supermarkets are stocking them now. Yeah. Or you can, you can actually order them from supermarkets now. You can actually order your turkey from them as well, yeah. or your butcher. Or your butcher. Um, and they're sort of, they're usually hung. Yeah. Like, uh, like you know, like game like game birds or, uh, or beef, obviously. So the um, flavour develops a bit more. Yeah. I mean, let's face it turkey is not the it's all it's a carrier for everything else really isn't it the, the, the standard white turkey meat is 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 pretty bland yeah so yeah, these, yeah. these guys the norfolk black and the um bronze they're, mm. they're basically hung so the meat develops much more flavor yeah yeah yeah, yeah you get yeah. more of a kind of gamey you get that gamey sort of uh flavor and um yeah, there's a, like a ratio of, of, of dark meat to, to yeah. white meat is actually is higher as well because they're sort of, um, yeah, just yeah. for their breed. I think you have to watch out for those guys as well because um, they, a lot of them are sold with, with uh, specific cooking times because yeah. you cook them in a slightly different way. Yeah, yeah, but like good, to... good suppliers, like Kelly Bronze, people like that, yeah, I, yeah. I know that they do supply all yeah. of the timings in with the turkey. So, yeah, just, yeah. so just something to, to keep an eye out. Yeah, they do, um, they do cook differently because of... Yeah. The, obviously not have having huge breath like breasts and, yeah. yeah 
Um, so when you're when you're buying your turkey, um, you know, it's it's easy to go out and just buy stupidly big one. What mm. are we looking at in terms of like, is there an easy way to sort of say you need this much meat for this many people? Well, yeah, actually, if you if you go to my turkey like that, <laughs> um, oh, there's then, a handy. Yeah, there's uh, actually a handy little infographic oh, nice. um, that the lovely art people have made for me. Um, as I was like, yeah, about four to you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, four to six people is three to four kilos. Yeah. I mean, I could go all the way through it, but I mean, like six and to ten, five, and that's taking into account a bit of leftover. Like, you, you don't want to be cutting fire on Christmas. Yeah, but, you I want, mean, that's, you want ge- a that's bit generous because of- people will be thinking, well, hang on a minute, I, I get a chicken that's two kilos and it feeds four, but what we're talking about here is um, four to six people and we want leftovers. Like, we don't want, you know, we don't just want to finish that turkey down to the bone on the day. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to be gnawing the bones on Christmas yeah. Day. That'd be a sad state of affairs. <laughs> the last thing you want is for someone asking for afters and yeah, they're, not, yeah. they're not getting no, any. No, no, they're, unfortunately, you scoffed it all. Um, yeah. But I think the easiest way to do it is about 500 grams of meat per person, which right. is a lot more than you'd ever usually allocate. Um people yeah. but actually you then probably add on another kilo of just for normal weight just for just because it's a big bird and it's, it's got Christmas. a bigger carcass and stuff yeah, as well yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. let's talk about some other um other cuts because i i did a recipe inside the mag for um it's a, for a stuffed turkey breast and it it doesn't sound big but oh it was it was pretty big i think um, I, that, I, that, turkey. <laughs> that turkey was prehistoric <laughs> It was a di- it was a literal dinosaur. We, we ordered it from the butcher, and I was I was reckoning that it would come in between t- about two kilos. But actually, I think we got a three kilo turkey breast. Yeah. Um, the beauty of that is obviously for carving. There's no fuss. Yeah, no fiddling about. There's absolutely no waste because you don't have any bones or anything, you, and you just you just cut straight through it. Um, and for fans of the um, of white meat, I mean, it's perfect. Oh, it's ideal. And it cuts down the cooking time to about two hours. Yeah. Because you're literally just cooking solid meat. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lovely bacon lattice on it as well, which, lovely, which makes it look, one, flavour-packed and yep. juicy, because <clears throat> bacon fat, yes. Yeah. And uh, it looks really, really, really nice. Yeah, and you just literally, like, basically make a pocket in it and then stuff it with a really, like, highly flavoured stuffing as well. Mm. So that is, for me, that's kind of quite a genius move. And we've only got three people for, for the first time ever really small amount for Christmas Day so I'm going to do something like that there'll be loads of leftovers but no one's going to worry about that and then I think um, the other cut that people often get in again these appear in supermarkets is turkey crown yeah which is the both breasts but left on the bone yeah um, that's how you would normally have it, and the, they've taken off the legs and the wings. Yeah, yeah, it's literally just uh, yeah, wing, wing and legless. Yeah. yeah. So the the beauty of that one is again, it cooks quickly. Um, you can control the cooking a bit more, as in you don't have to wait for the legs to cook and overcook the breast. Yeah. Um, and also because you've got a bit of bone there, the juices that that are coming out, you get a little bit more flavour for mm-hmm. your you know your sort of gravy at the yeah. end of it. So. I mean, cooking on the bone always keeps the bird moister as well because the bones heat up and cook the bird like push it through inside and gently push it through as opposed to like more severe uh roasting on the outside where you get christmas that on the inside just pushes the heat up nice and gently through the uh through the meat so you get but let's talk about keeping it moist because there's something else that you did in in the previous issue and in this one i Mm. think which is um which is brining yeah so tell us about brining tell us about brining okay well I think most people assume when you say brining, it's like a wet brine. So yeah. making a, a like a, a brine, like a salt solution dissolved in water. Uh, but with, obviously with a turkey, you could do that. But um, 
I think you'd have to sort of empty, big you'd have bucket. to scrub, yeah, you'd have, you'd have to either scrub your bathtub really well or, oh uh, or, or get I've a real big... I've never thought about doing it in the bath. Um, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't advise it on any level. I wouldn't. Um, not unless it was a new house and it was the first time the bath's being used. I do, I do have memories of when I was little, um, turkeys being defrosted, defrosted in the bath. There is that sort of because like it always old used wives to, tale. I don't know, well, it's not an old wives tale in my house. It's an actual tale but being it was, told. It was back in the day when I was a youngin. Um, you know, like a, a buying a turkey frozen was kind of normal. Like, yeah, or yeah. it was it was around Absolutely. where I came from. But it was, you know, I do often remember like thinking, why is a turkey in the bath? And it's because it's such a huge bird that you really have to give it like a couple of days I mean, of defrosting, defrosting. If it was defrosting, the fridge would take what, well, like two, at least two days. Yeah, I'd two say. days. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. But anyway, that's. But, but it's so usually not... <laughs> maybe at like six o'clock on Christmas morning, like, oh my God, we haven't defrosted the turkey. Let's exactly. run it a hot bath. <laughs> Let's give don't, it a don't bath. do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That is, that is a nightmare health and yeah, safety yeah. wise. But back to braining. Okay. So you're not, you're not doing it in the bath and no. you're not doing it in a big bucket because frankly, it is a pain. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. there's another thing called dry yeah. braining. Dry braining, which I've done, uh, I think, in the November issue of or mm. maybe of the magazine where I did a, tur- a chicken. Yeah. And um, basically just scale it up. Um, so, like, you can put any sort of aromatics in it, but basically at its root, it's just salt and a little yeah. bit of sugar. You don't even have to have sugar. It could just be salt and, you know, pe- black peppercorns, some bay leaves, a bit yeah. of orange zest, lemon zest, whatever's fennel, really knocking around. Any, any kind anything. of spices that you yeah. like. Um, and you put them in a big bag. Yeah, put them in a bag and then basically just coat it really thoroughly in yeah. salt, like overnight usually. Um, wouldn't leave it too much longer because of white meat. It's yeah. kind of, um, you don't want to, it would, it would make it a little bit over-seasoned maybe and yeah. a little bit, just draw a little bit too too much um, And it kind of out. draws out the moisture from the skin. Yeah. But then in... Osmosis. Osmo- love osmosis. Yeah. The moisture goes back into the flesh. Yeah, also so. taken with it some of the flavourings from the salt. Yeah. Um, and it also kind of really, that salting kind of really concentrates the flavour a bit yeah, more. So your, so turkey, salt- your turkey is turkier yes, on the yeah, day. Yeah, it kind of just, just notches it up, notches yeah. it up a few levels because the salt actually then, because when the water uh, reabsorbs, um, the salt is in the water. So yeah. it can actually like gently uh, season your... Um, yeah. Your piece of meat. Yeah. So, what, so what about cooking then? I mean, I, one thing I would say, because I've been, this has happened to me a few times when I've been cooking at, you know, relatives' houses or whatever. Um, on the day, you, you're suddenly scrabbling around looking for a, a tin that's big enough to get the bird into. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would definitely like, ahead of time, yeah, yeah, think about things like that. Just like, get, or, or, but, size them up. The yeah. classic literally getting it in the right size tray is perfect and then you got to put it in the oven and <laughs> it's, it it's massive like yeah. so yeah I would, I would i would almost do a test run with the oven off before <laughs> just just to make sure it actually just to see you can wrestle you know, it in there just buying a, a little bit of a bigger bird this year because you know yeah. auntie doris is staying and her husband and then being like oh i can't get it in the oven on christmas day i'd just make sure just hack off these legs yeah, and yeah. you know butcher it yeah down we're having and... turkey crown now yeah. like we weren't going to before but we are now yes yeah, so, i mean i think prep preparation is key thinking about it um definitely more than anything work out those timings because if you are doing a big beast you want to get you want to be getting up at like six o'clock in the morning and getting that bird in the oven oh yeah because otherwise you will be eating at nine o'clock at night and everyone will be drunk on cherry by then or baileys well i certainly will be by (laughs) nine o'clock um um, what what about the cooking because we've got some i mean we we both like that temp method don't we yeah so I sort of because um, it's it's got it's going to go in there if it's a whole bird it's going in for a long time yeah you're looking at at least three four hours and really. you, you want to protect it yeah so basically you put 
uh, basically basically build a little tent around it with tinfoil so it's got air room for like not tight yeah. but room for air to circulate all yeah. the way around and like a really tight seal yeah. um, for the tinfoil so it's basically steaming for the first part of cooking and yeah. all that juice is being going back into the tin nice. and uh, you know it just, it's just another way because turkey is, is a pretty lean meat so it hasn't yeah. got a lot of fat to sort of um, inside like while the meat's cooking and to sort of keep it moist um so like get doing that tent method really gives you a, a helping hand for keeping it moist. And then once you've once you've taken the tent off, then given it the last hour or so to get it real just nice brown and, brown. In and yeah, nice yeah. and crisp. And yeah. if you've got the if you've got your bacon um on top of that to keep it moist again, yeah. then that's also... like you know you often see people putting bacon in and they just discard it like oh it was don't just their skin no the no please do not do that please, please don't do that um, and then the resting I mean I when I said getting up at six o'clock before like I really wasn't kidding I, I just think people get really wound up about like serving the turkey hot so there's two things with that you can't serve a turkey piping hot because it wouldn't have rested properly no. and you'll you will carve into that it'll turkey shred and pull, it'll pull shred apart, yeah. juice will just ping out of it and also that'll be it'll be hot like yeah. in your hands if you're holding it like you'll it's just it. yeah so my my top tip is get get your turkey done giving yourself at least an hour god you're going to need a little bit more to get the veg done to get the roasties in that's there that's the thing it's, it's, yeah. it's an oven space for a lot of people yeah. as well because Often with a big turkey in there, most people have only got one oven, of yeah. course. So w- giving that as much time out of the oven yeah. to get your roasties through, whatever, like, you know, your roasted carrots, your parsnips, all that, it just really helps everything yeah. else and get And just, get just cover it in foil, put a tea towel over it, leave it leave it in the corner, sit, it'll sit happily. It will sit happily for an hour. It'll sit happily for, for, hour, for longer yeah, than hour that. And, a half, yeah. and then what I do is I, I'll take off the breasts, whole, slice them, mm-hmm. you know, sort of joint the legs put that all on a tray mm. with and keep it keep covered it and then foil, just yeah, yeah. have your have your gravy piping, absolutely piping, piping hot, hot. Yeah, have yeah. everything else piping hot no one will question your as long as it's not fridge cold yeah, that yeah. turkey's going to be fine yeah, and it's going to yeah. be lovely and juicy and rested yeah. as well so i think Completely that's that's agree. another really important um key thing um we've also got a recipe which i think is a great idea um <clears throat> for just making some butters to put under the skin yeah um because that's that's just like a little bit of prep that you can do the day before um so what have you got here we've got i really like this one uh you've mixed butter with chopped onion bacon thyme worcester sauce so that's going to give it like a massive Umami savory bomb yeah yeah Umami so it's just butter. like a little bacon butter just whip it all up together with the uh so you basically crisp up your uh, your onion and your bacon and then let it go completely cold so the fat solidifies and then you just stir that or whip that through uh, butter with the thyme and with yeah. the sauce and stuff cool. um, and then yeah just pry away the skin yeah um, and yeah whack it under it's there it's quite good fun actually doing it that is. bit with the skin I quite like doing yeah. that yeah or get get it's the kids sati- involved it's quite satisfying kids can be a bit brutal though so maybe yeah, don't get them involved in this yeah yeah, yeah. Um, little, little pokey fingers yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and I did a herb butter so I just parsley tarragon chives lovely and uh, a few other bits and also a Christmas butter for those that are getting it fully into the spirit the um, dried cranberries dried cranberries orange nice, brandy though. bit of mixed spice I like the sound of that yeah and I think another thing that I would I'd probably say is I know it's a traditional to to like stuff the turkey but I've I've come over to the side of like I don't no. do it because it's time. It, it, like it just, it it just adds, adds so, so much, much time. time on. Yeah. If you think about the way that heat will circulate around your bird yeah. and how long that heat will take to go through and cook the one, the, the meat and the stuffing. Yeah. The, the meat on the outside is going to be yeah. like 
tough as our boots. But with that cavity, you know, you can pop a lemon half or let you know to get some steam going in there. But definitely leave that as much as empty as possible so that you can, he can really get in and start you know, cooking from the inside mm. as well as the outside. And the beauty of doing the, the stuffing in a tray is you get loads crispy of crispy bits. bits. <laughs> Come on, it's the crispy bits. Everyone loves the crispy bits. And you can spread it out in a really big tray and get even more crispy bits. Yeah, double so, the crispy bits. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming to talk to us. That was really good. Loads of tips there. Yeah. Um, we have so many Christmas recipes online at the minute as well. So if you want to get more inspiration head to olivemagazine.com also just buy the magazine because it's a really really great one a, we literally couldn't be prouder of this it's one a, it's, it's, it's amazing it's a bumper Christmas issue as well so mm-hmm. um, yeah check There's it out in there. thanks for chatting Adam no worries see you later now let's hear Alex and Ellie swapping their favourite street food market stories Hi, it's Alex here, and I'm talking to Ellie. Hello. Hello. And I don't know about you listeners, but um, whenever the Olive team lands in a new city, we usually head straight for the nearest food market, sometimes even before checking into our yeah, hotel, don't pretty we? pretty much. <laughs> um, and we're, we're going to have a bit of a, a chat about uh, European food markets. So when we hear like European food market, you might think of little farmers markets in provincial towns and um, then there's also these huge grand market halls in Spain and Italy, etc. But um, in the winter months, however, (laughs) this can be something that we like the idea of, but in reality, it's freezing outside, most probably raining, and then there's cars and people getting in the way. It's usually quite dark as well, so it's not actually the best experience yeah so there is a solution that we found and there's a real trend in the past few years particularly of um, indoor food markets opening up and revamping and of course there are plenty of traditional market halls that have been revamped to keep traders sheltered from the elements over the years like uh, I don't know if anyone's been to Madrid's impressive Mercado de San Miguel. Um, and also I visited Ostermans, which is a, like a star-shaped market oh, wow. um, in uh, Stockholm. Um, but we've seen a lot of really, really modern spots opening up, mm-hmm. um, specialising in street food, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, so the great thing about these markets is you can eat your way around the world in one meal. So you can have like... Texan ribs for starters Mm -hmm. and then like Szechuan curry for Maine and Argentinian dulce de leche for pudding yeah why not (laughs) whatever you want really Um, and we recently visited the new street food market Spitalfields in London Um, and Ellie you've been a few times haven't Mm, you so what's the favourite thing that you've tried there so yes they've just opened last month Um, it's called the kitchens so there's 10 new street food um stalls just set around like a central area and um some of them are street food stores that already existed so dumpling shack which is on broadway market and burber and q yeah Yeah, dumpling soup dumplings are great um but then there are a few new ones as well so you've got flank um and a dessert place called happy endings and you don't really um get many dessert street food no. Places really that specialise in really good desserts. So one I had there was um, it was a hot chocolate with rosemary, and then it had like a marshmallow on top that kind Ooh. of like melted. And they do um, sourdough ice cream cones as well. Oh fab! Okay, so that's really um, good if you've got a sweet tooth. Yeah. Um, but flank, I know a few of us tried that. Yes, we did. And that's that fab. is um, yeah, real nose to tail dining it's using every part of the animal and um 
I had some like bone marrow toast, I think mm. bone marrow gnocchi as well. And then the crumpets were the amazing. Crumpets, they, as yes, well. yeah. And it's just really hearty, hearty food. Yeah, a lot of but, meat. A lot of meat, yeah. Careful meat sweats. But um <laughs> but originally so you've got Spitalfields Market, which in the seventeenth century was originally just like a classic Victorian market where mm-hmm. people would go to get their fruit and veg and stock up for the week um, and that kind of developed over the years and I think it was in the ni- 1991 it was got so busy that apparently cars couldn't drive down the road because it was just so packed really? so oh, that um, they actually opened a new one called New Spitalfields Market oh, yeah. um, in Leighton which okay. still exists now so that's where all like the fruit and veg sellers are okay um, so then Spitalfields Market in Spitalfields now has more of the like the new street food it's more of like kind a, of a, a touristy mm, Spitalfields yeah, yeah you've got like your antique sellers haven't you yeah. and there's a few restaurants dotted around but I think this the kitchens bit kind of makes it more it's got more of an atmosphere because it can mm. feel quite like because it is just a massive open market but yeah. there's like long tables there and I know now at Christmas you can like have like the whole table and like choose from all the different stalls right. so and you can get drinks as well can't mm, yeah you? there's like a um there's a bar there and lots of beer bottle shop bottle shop yeah yeah fab so um thinking further afield if um I know it's Lisbon is very very popular at the moment so if you're planning a bit of a winter sun they've got a fab market called Mercado de Ribeira in the Caes de Sodre area which is by the waterfront and that um reopened in 2014 again that was a really traditional market hall yeah. it has been for for years and years um but <laughs> it's quite amusing because it's now you know who the owner is and that is time out because it is branded so heavily <laughs> that honestly it's, it's really? laughable yeah oh um so yeah heads up <laughs> about that um but what's good about that actually is that even though it's it's a little bit offensive to the eyes it's quite it's quite gimmicky it's quite funny but there's no competition in terms of um you're not going to go somewhere just for like style over substance. Right, yeah. So yeah. like everywhere has the same branding and um, you actually go, so the queues are usually for the, the best food. Yeah. Whereas sometimes, you know, if something looks quite, you know, yeah, tweed. People, and, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's there's benefits to that. Um, and what's really good about this market is it has lots of small outposts of the city's best restaurants. So if you're only there for like 24, yeah. 48 hours, which... Um, is getting more and more common these days mm. with cheap flights. Um, you can try dishes from like Lisbon's best chefs, like all under one beef. That's amazing. Um, so you can get all sorts of like classics. And we had a uh, Portuguese puri chicken from oh, wow. Michelin star chef Miguel Afan. And um, so his restaurant, you wouldn't be able to get yeah. a table in. So, um, so goes well, obviously you have to book far in advance. Um, and they even have an outlet of Conservaria de Lisboa, which is the famous tin sardine shop yeah. in the city. So it's a perfect place to pick up little colourful stocking fillers mm, nice um and also if you have time and obviously room in your belly left <laughs> um then uh, the instagram famous pink street um is only three minute walk away um so and there's a little place there called sole pesca and that's a former fishing tackle shop and it serves tinned fish in and you sit on these little colorful oh, wow. chairs it's like a school school <sighs> playground it's really cute um and also there's a short walk up the hill to mantigeria which is 
the best custard tart shop and the wow. locals that um, we bumped into said that it was the best they... better than Bel Air so wow let's yeah you heard it here. Um, and if yeah if anybody wants to make their own custard tarts then we do have a great recipe online which mm. everybody loves very like, popular a lot of, yeah uh, I've made it myself so yeah. I can vouch that it's it's a good one. Great. So I have visited Copenhagen many times mm. and I absolutely love it, but I haven't actually yes. been to their street food market. Yes, they've got a, um, it's actually called Copenhagen Street Food and it's on Paper Island. So it's just kind of, you walk through the city, it's kind of right at the end, um, cycle over a little bridge and it's just kind of it's on in a, the harbour, mm, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's on an island of its own, really. Mm-hmm. And it is... Yeah, it's great. So we went on a Friday night and you can book tables um, because it gets so busy. So we booked a table and you go in, there's obviously the central area and then all the different street food stalls around the edge of it. Um, And it's just, I think we got there at like six o'clock and it is packed. It's just full of, full of people. And there's a outdoor area as well okay, we cool. so I went in February time I think where it's Ooh. freezing and people were still sat <laughs> outside didn't, yeah. yeah um so yeah that that shows that it's a very popular place so you can go to all the different street food and then just bring it back to the table mm-hmm. so I went to a place called Falafala uh, okay. for falafels um and they do you just get like massive fluffy pitters and then flaffles and then you'd have so I had like a chili sauce they do like shredded beetroot shredded red cabbage um yeah you can get loads of different sauces to go on top of it really um but also they have um a bar area so they bring so we think we just had a big like big jugs of cocktails and they bring those to your table but the good thing is on on the Friday night and weekends it kind of turns into a bar so the street food closes and then people are just dancing and it stays open till like probably the next morning probably that's what a lot of these places are like Mm. like um I was just thinking uh, then about it's quite reminiscent of places in London like Street Feast and Dinerama yeah and um it's this new kind of indoor market that is almost like a bar yeah. and then they have lots of yeah they've even there's a place called the prince which is just opened uh, in london yes. and it's almost got that kind of vibe because yeah. it's a bar and then it's got little street food outposts so yeah it's like a, a hall but it turns into but a bar. it turns into a bar in the evening yeah, yeah. and yes yeah, so that's really fun and you can easily you could easily spend all evening there and it's just like and why not because you get to eat so much like different food it's not like you're staying in one restaurant but I actually have some sad news because that's closing (laughs) on the 22nd of December Um, but it is relocating to reopen in April next year Um, and it's relocating to a place called Ref Chaleon Um, (laughs) I think it's pronounced like that and then that's a much bigger space and they're going to do a lot more with it because obviously it's got a lot of potential yeah definitely um, and with Copenhagen becoming more and more popular, but it's just yeah. down the harbour. Um, so, um, yeah, get to Paper Island while you can if you yeah. want to go to that spot. So we've covered quite a few capital cities so far um, mm. with these street food um, markets, but what what's great about this movement is that it's actually happening all over in like lesser-known cities in Europe as well. So, for example, you can head across the bridge from Copenhagen to... Um, Sweden's third city, Malmo. Oh yes, um, which is fab. Um, so you just go across the bridge. You can you can get the train over, and a short walk from the city central station is a place called Malmo Saluhal, and that 
houses, producers, bakers, and like restaurant outposts as well. Um, and you can get a cinnamon bun and sourdough bread from it's called St. Jacob's Stellings Baggery. Um, and then also indulge on pizza from this place called Hedvig's Gal, which is at the rear left corner. And that's yeah. fab because they're really, really innovative pizzas and they're made with organic flour and then topped with like locally foraged ingredients yeah so i think i saw really, a photo yeah. of that yeah it's like hyper local so it's you great. have you don't just have like cheese from sweden you have skirna which is the region yeah um southwest sweden um so you have uh, cheese from there like brown butter savoy mm. cabbage Amazing. like all types of like garden kale and then they actually go into the the hedgerow and Forage just forage what they well. yeah so it's like these smaller cities are actually great for like hubs and also yeah. uh, opening up areas that might have been a bit you know barren mm. in the past yeah um yeah. and um for example in yeah in malmo this place isn't really it's kind of on the periphery of the, of yeah. the, of the historic center so people won't necessarily Go there, go there. Mm. Um, and you said the same with a uh, place in Rotterdam, yeah. Didn't you? So I went to um, Utrecht and Rotterdam and Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and so all in um, Holland, just for those all in Holland, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Amsterdam actually has a food market of itself um, called Food Helen, but Rotterdam Market is called um, it's called the Phoenix Food Factory, and oh, it's, yes, I remember, yeah, it's um past the port so you go to the port and then there's it's quite a walk so it's over a bridge and it's right at the end and similar to the Copenhagen one it's just on this little island um and from the outside does look a bit run down mm. it's just kind of um outside there's loads of sofas it's like shabby chic, yeah yeah and um but there's so much variety in there and that is the place where we did spend the day there because um like there's lots of different coffee shops. So we got coffee first and then you can sit outside and you can even walk down the harbour and mm-hmm. then come back. Um, and then for lunch, we went to a place called... I'm not... My pronunciation <laughs> is not as good as Alex's. Wow, well, <laughs> not really. It's, it's great either. Tanger. Um, we'll go with that. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, so you get, a, you get a wooden board and you get a two massive pita breads and then you get little bowls and you choose which dips you want so we had like a baba ganoush tzatziki they have every type of hummus mm. and then um bowls of olives and you can actually they have loads of spices that you can buy and take home and just choose what you want oh, great. um and that's that was really lovely and yeah and there's a big in that one as well actually you've got a kind of separate to it there's a massive bar area where they have about 30 different beers on tap and then and then a bottle shop as well okay and i'm not a massive beer fan i was and they found me one i liked so that's always good idea isn't it um and then the classic dutch stroop waffle oh yes they um so you can watch them making them from a place called stroop and we had a rosemary and salted caramel one and then a caramel and frozen banana which might sound a bit weird but it's really good so you've got the mm. hot caramel and then the like cold banana oh, and yeah they were really yeah really great yeah. recommend them great so yeah that's somewhere to head in um that's probably i'd say um holland's second city mm-hmm. but yeah. um then there's also the the like smaller cities like smaller than that so ellie and i both visited utrecht recently mm-hmm. which is in holland and um it just makes a lovely change to 
dodge the tourists in like in Amsterdam, for example. Yeah. Um, and because it's Holland's main university in Utrecht, a lot of young creative people stay in the city and set up independent businesses. Yeah. So it's like packed with cafes, boutiques, shops and restaurants. And my favourite place was place that I recommended to you as well, wasn't yeah. it? Talad 9. Yes. Which is a really buzzy coffee bar um, that overlooks the canal and then it morphs into a wine bar in the evenings. Yeah. But um, so with those kind of smaller cities um it's just really worth going to them because mm. it's usually a lot more cheap flights yeah. and you really get a, like a that sounds so cliche but a slice <laughs> of local life yeah the people that's where the people live exactly rather than in the capitals and obviously a lot of people live in london for example <laughs> but um it's more on par with somewhere like bristol yeah. brighton leeds They've where got their you, own. every yeah it's got their own little yeah. niche culture Hubs, yeah um so, yeah, and we've got plenty of inspiration for these, like, smaller secret foodie destinations on olivemagazine.com. And if you want to hear more about Europe's indoor food halls, then we've got a, a list in the Christmas issue. So we do. do pick up pick a copy. <laughs> so, yeah, nice to speak to you. Thanks, Ellie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please don't forget to go review and rate us on iTunes. For more information on things in this episode, head to our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our packed bumper Christmas issue now from newsagents or download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with even more food and drink chat.